Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Praise God. I want to minister for just a few moments this morning, and I want to minister on the title, Know the Truth, It Will Set You Free. Amen? How many know that the truth will set you free? I tell my kids all the time, I say, you know what, just tell the whole truth. Just tell the truth. You're still going to get in trouble, but just tell the truth. Amen? And in, in our lives as adults, we grow up, we get older, we realize, you know, the truth will set you free. You can, you can overcome a lot of things if you just tell the truth. I mean, I've, I've admitted to a lot of really bad things in my life, but I'll tell you what, I learned how to tell the truth, and I began to see God's favor work in my life. Amen? I want to start off in the Word of God in John chapter 8. 8, verse 31, verse, verse 31 and 32. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, this is a very simple passage of Scripture. You know, I mean, it, it, it's pretty simple. It's telling us, you know, if you abide in my word, if you just do what I say, If you just do the things that I've already laid out for you and told you how to live your life and do this and do that, he says, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and by knowing the truth, the truth will set you free. You know, I'm so so privileged, honestly, to be, I'm going to speak to the internet for just a moment, but there's a very special uh, family that is listening, and they're all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. It's Jim and Margie McClinn. And uh, I know for a fact that, uh, that Mark is on. We, we get to see who's online and who's not and all this and that. But we get to see But their son Mark is online. And, and it's such a privilege to know that all over the world we could be here in Denton, Texas, but be able to minister the God and somebody minister the word of God and somebody all the way across the United States of America. Even Alaska, if they, if they call that the United States of America. Amen. I'm just teasing them over there. Amen. But uh, it's good to have you, Mark, online with us this morning. And uh, God's got a word for all of us today. Amen. I I just want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you this morning in the things of God. You know, God sees the honesty of our heart. You know, I heard, you know, Brother Ray was doing the offering. He says, you know, the the, one of the hardest things in our life is, is to get saved is our pocketbook. And that's the truth. You know, one time in our church, this, this lady used to always tell me in Costa Rica, she said, I, I have a hard time giving my money to God. I said, well, don't worry about it. I said, next service, I'll show you how it works, okay? And she says, all right. And so the next service came along, and I said, uh, I said, everybody just stand up to their feet. I said, anybody in this place, you have a hard time giving? And several people raised their hands up. Yeah, I have a hard time giving to God. I said, well, don't worry. You don't have to give your money this morning. Reach in front of you and grab the person's wallet out of their back pocket and take all the money out of it and just give it to the Lord. You know, that's a pretty easy concept. You know, you just, it's hard to give yours, but, man, I can sure give somebody else's money. Amen? But anyways, that was a little joke there, but didn't work very well. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord, the Lord God, is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. How many know that there's a lot of people in this world that are bound to something? Amen? We're bound to the things of this world. And, and if you go a little bit further, we'll just go over to Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. It says, uh, as for you also, because the body of your covenant, uh, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. 
And verse 12 says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. I think I'd like to say in there, you know, I will restore double to those of you who are willing to receive double. Wouldn't that sound a little bit better? Because I think everybody in the whole world would have their hands up. I want it, I want it, I want it. But when it comes time to the sacrifice, when it comes time to making a right decision in our lives, uh, sometimes we have a very difficult time being set free from what's going on around us. You know, I want to break down this word free. It's, 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 a, it's a Greek word. It's, it's freedom to go wherever one likes to go. The word free is, is freedom from restraint, freedom from bondage, or freedom from, from slavery, or to make free, deliver from sin and from the death penalty. Remember, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Amen? But to be set free from that, justified from sin. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity, captivity captive. You know, I, I love, this is a military term here. It's, it's a military triumph. You know, and, and when there's a win or, or, or a, a battle that has been won in war, it's amazing. We like to brag about the war. We like to brag about the, 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 the victory. It's that way in our lives and almost everything that we do when we're battling something. We like to give uh, glory to the victory. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's a good thing, but many times in our lives we're so bound by the things that are going on in our lives and it becomes uh, 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 this thing called uh, a type of prison. Amen? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who's been to prison, but the number one type of prison is a physical prisoner. It's a person that has gone to prison, somebody that has, has uh, done something that they should not have done and, 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 you know, through time or whatever the case might be, they got caught and they have to serve a time in prison. How many know there's millions of prisoners all over the world? Amen. I remember a young man growing up. We were in Costa Rica. I told this young man, I said, let me tell you something. You, you, you better make a change in your life now because if you don't, uh, you're going to end up in prison. Amen. Those are not good words to hear from a preacher, from, from somebody that loves you, that if you don't clean up your act now, you could end up in this place called prison. Amen. And I hope nobody here is planning on going to prison anytime soon. But thank God if he's taken you away from that penalty of going to prison. Amen. I know God's done miracles. Pastor Marshall is going to be coming doing a revival for us. And, he, I mean, he's a poster boy for what God has, a, a miracle that God has done for someone who deserves to be spending time behind bars. Amen. Because, you know, when you're not saved, when you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, uh, you know, some people might say, well, I'm not a bad person. I do well. But, you know, on the other hand, there are people who make bad decisions in life. And it's about attention. It's about being around the wrong people at the wrong time uh, or allowing yourself to be uh, trapped by, you know, peer pressure. Am I the only person here today that's been bound by that where I've allowed peer pressure to take me in the wrong direction or push me towards the wrong things in life and, and it gets you caught? You know, I'm standing here before you today as a miracle from, of, of God knowing that he has pulled me from that lifestyle. I haven't always been saved, amen? There was a time in my life where, where I, I, I turned my back on God and I went back into the world. And how many know that when you do that, <laughs> when you do that, God says, okay, I can't do anything to help you. You've made this decision to go live your life any way you want. And the Bible says that the, that the consequence of that is, you know, of that sin is death. 
You know, many times in our life we think that we're just going to get a, a, a yellow card or we're going to be all right and we're going to be able to escape uh, the problems of life, but it doesn't always work that way, amen? You know, there's a good old saying that says, do the crime, do the time. A lot of people are proud of that, but let me tell you this, I'm not proud of it, amen? I'm not proud of what I've done when I wasn't living for God. I'm not proud that I stood behind bars. I'm not proud that, that I did uh, the wrong thing, that I hurt people, that I offended people. I'm not proud of that. And if you are... We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We ought to just repent and, and get it right with God. Amen? There was a story, you know, we always think about prisoners and we always think what happens. But let me tell you something. It's never too late to change. It's never too late for God to step in, to intervene in your situation and help you out of that problem that you're going through. There was a time when we were certified to go into the prisons and, you know, it, it was kind of a crazy thing. But you were going through all the classes and it was with the home church in Colorado Springs. And, and we had a group of about 20, 25 people that we wanted to take all of our counselors into these prisons so that we can minister to the prisoner. And we'd go in there, and, and I remember a time we brought the choir in. They all were in their robes, and, and they went in there. We, we sang and worshiped with those prisoners. Listen, just because they're in prison doesn't mean that God can't do a miracle in their life. You know, and the world likes to call it jailhouse religion. You know, oh, I've been caught. Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm going to jail. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to look for new things to make myself better. No, listen, jailhouse religion, is, is, it's real. It is real. But I also believe that God can do something real, amen, in somebody's life, even if they are locked up in prison. This warden from this prison calls, he writes a letter to Pastor Marshall one time, and he says, I want you to know that you guys, your sacrifice of coming and, and just participating and being a part and loving our people, the people that the world says there's no hope for, these people in this place, they're murderers, they're rapists, they're, they're, they're everything you can imagine. He says, you don't even know what it does for us for you guys to come into this place. And whatever authority you guys have in Jesus, you brought it into this prison here, and, and God is doing something amazing. Isn't that encouraging to know? That just because we're obedient, just because we have a heart for people, and to go into that place, and it's a scary place to be. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. When you go into a prison and, 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 and that's not where your bed is and that's not where your coffee machine is and you're just going in to minister to people and, and, and they don't want to be where they're at, and, and there's, it's, it's hard. But it's a, it's a battle between God and the devil fighting for the souls of those people. The number two type of prison, it's a spiritual prisoner to sin. Imprisoned to addiction. And they're imprisoned to sin in their lives. There's a guy in Costa Rica. I'll go ahead and put this up. When Landon was uh, there with Jose and Pastor, they were down there in Costa Rica. Uh, there's a, there was a guy there. His name is, is uh, Marcos. And this is Marcos on the left there. He's, he's a guy that uh, when we first took the church in Pavas, I was in the prayer room and I was coming out of the prayer room and I was walking out of the prayer room down this hallway and this man stops in his tracks and he looks at me, he points his finger at me and the devil begins to speak out of this man's voice. The devil begins to speak through this man, and he says, he said, I am the devil. He said, I'm going to kill you. And before he could even say that, I'm already speaking in tongues. I mean, I'm telling you what, I was prayed up, and I was waiting for him to come after me because that would have been a little fun, you know. But uh, anyways, I, I just told him, I just started rebuking it. I rebuked the devil. And he says, you're going to die. He said, a fire, you're going to hit a brick wall, and you're going to die, and the fire is going to burn you. And I just began to just shout. And I didn't say this in the first service, but when I began to rebuke him, he stopped in his tracks, and he goes, wow. He said, you're good. He said, how did you know? 
I said, it was the devil talking through you. And I just kept on walking right past him, cast the devil out of him, and just kept on walking right out of that place. Because the devil does not need to scare us. You have power and you have authority over the devil, amen? A lot of times when the devil speaks, we think, oh, i got to just run and i got to hide and i got to just get out of the way. But no, you don't. You have to speak the word of God to the demon and the demon will go, hallelujah. But it was this man right here on the left. Not the one on the right, the one on the left. The one on the right is my son. But this guy, he, he has an issue with uh, loving the things. He's a prisoner to the sin of life. This man loves God. He has a sincere uh, a sincerity. He has a love for God. He cares. Uh, he really uh, just wants the best of everything for his life. And honestly, he just cannot get away from the sin that is in his life. And when we were pastoring our church in Phoenix, there was a couple there that went with us on a missions trip, and, and the husband, his name was Jose, this guy was a bad dude. I mean, he was crazy. He was a martial artist. I mean, he's got, uh, he's got several different belts in different martial arts, and he's great. He's a good, great fighter. I've seen him in action. I've seen videos of him and, and his, his sensei, and I've seen all the things that he did. And this guy's telling me, he says, Pastor, please don't ever, 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 ever introduce me to that guy. And I said, his name is Marcos. And he says, yeah. He said, I'm afraid of Marcos. I said, Jose, you're a bad dude. You're crazy, bro. You're not afraid of nothing. He goes, no, 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 I am afraid. He said, first of all, I could never hug somebody in the streets. And this is a guy going to our church. He was not, he's not afraid. He's not embarrassed for me to tell this story because I'm going to tell you what God did. God did a miracle through this young man's life. He said, Pastor, when I go on this mission trip with you, he said, please protect me from Marcos. My wife is right there. You can ask her. It's the truth. Didn't he say that? He said, protect me from Marcos. And all the kids were there. Mallory remembers this, but he says, protect me from Marcos because he, I, I can't do it. I can't hug somebody from the streets. And so sure enough, here him and I, we go downtown to San Jose, and I'm telling you, there's a million people at any time in, in San Jose walking the streets. There's a lot of people. It's like the ants in your backyard. They're everywhere, man. And I'm telling you what, we're walking, and all of a sudden I hear this guy screaming my name, Pastor Mario! He's screaming, running from across the street in, in his grocery store. He's sitting in his grocery store, running out of the store. He's got a handful of uh, little children's books that he's selling. He's trying to sell these things so he can make some money, so he can go back out in the streets. And he comes to me and says, he runs across that road, and he just goes right through all the people. He didn't even stop for the cars. Those cars are slamming on their brakes, coming through the intersection, and he's running across the street. Didn't even look one time to see if a car was coming. Runs across that street like the game Frogger. You ever played Frogger? That's exactly what he was doing. He was, ah, he was running back and forth. And finally he gets across the road and he, he grabs me. He's in tears. He says, Pastor, he says, please help me. Help me. I can't get free from this stuff. And he's just weeping from his heart. It's sincere. He wants to be right. He wants to be delivered. He wants to be set free. But there's something there that he cannot get away from. You know, we've got little problems here. I mean, we get in a little argument with our wife, and we cold shoulder for a month. Here we got a little problem. We didn't get our paycheck in time. Oh, the whole world stops. The clock has stopped. We get a little problem, and here's this guy. He's bound to drugs. He's, he does cocaine. He does, I mean, I can't even tell you the drugs that this guy does because they make their own. They invent their own drug. He says, Pastor, I haven't drinking in months. I said, you're a liar. You smell drunk. He was so drunk, he didn't even know he was drunk. He'd, he thought he was sober. And he's standing there, and he, he says, please help me. Buy some of these books. I said, I'm not going to give you any money, Marcos. 
I've been your pastor for many years. I know what you're going to do with this money. He says, okay, then buy me something to eat. And he's crying. He's weeping. The dirt, the tears are running through the dirt on his face, and he's weeping. He's crying. I mean, put that picture back up. If you can, you can see the guy. He, I mean, it's, it's a sincerity right now. He's telling Landon, he's probably talking about God to Landon because he desires God. He wants God to do a miracle in his life. But when he tells me this, he says, Pastor, please help me. I said, I'll get you something to eat. I turn around, and Jose is gone. My, my, the, my disciple from Arizona, he's gone. I look around, he's, he's gone, nowhere to be found. I look over, and he's over at a restaurant buying food. He comes over and brings it to him. And he's, he's looking, and, and, and Marcos is looking at this guy walking across the street. And he hands him this food. And Marcos puts the food down just like, like it was nothing, throws it down. And he goes, but you! And he goes, all I need is a hug from you. This is the guy that somebody all the way in Phoenix, Arizona, was afraid to death to hug this man. He says, please don't let it happen. And all that that man could say when he brought him that, month, that food it was, I need a hug from you. You tell me that wasn't God. You tell me that Jose, first of all, Jose was scared to death. He was shaking in his boots. This guy was scared to death. And Jose reaches his hands out like this, and he grabs Marcos, and he pulls him in to him, and he wraps his arms around him, and they both begin to weep. When, when Jose left that place, when we left downtown, both of our shirts were soaking, just wet from tears from this man crying. But see, the, the problem with you and I today is we come to church, and we're trying to get our lives together for God, and we're serving the Lord, and we're excited, we're happy. But you know what? There's something in us that looks down on those that have problems in their lives. And I'm not justifying the problem. I don't think that it's right. You need to get delivered from whatever you're battling, whatever torment is in your mind. You need to get rid of it. Pornography, anger issues, all kinds of jealousies, all these things that can control your mind, they have to go. But we got to understand there are people in this world who are battling things that are greater and bigger than we can ever imagine. And God is trying to use you. He's trying to use me. He's trying to use every single one of us to be the light under those people. Amen? I was telling somebody this week, I think it was Sydney, we were talking. Is Sydney even in church this morning? Oh, there she is back there. I like to tease her. Amen? She's the one that moved here from Alaska. She was with Jim and Margie, and God's done a miracle. But she asked, we were talking this week about something, and I mentioned uh, Chris and Laura. I was, I was telling her about, I think it was you, but we were talking about Laura, how God saved her. She was an alcoholic when she came to this church many years ago. And I said, you know, she, I think, matter of fact, I said, I think she even came to church drunk the first time she came. And, you know, you don't know it because we're up here, we're singing, God's helped us uh, clean up, and things are better in our lives now. But, you know, we still have our own problems. We all still have our own issues. I mean, I hope you do because I do. I'm fighting them every single day. I'm asking God to forgive me. I stood right there at that chair this morning. I said, Lord, please forgive me of each and every and all sins, Lord. If I've got a bad attitude, which I always do, Lord, just deliver me from it. I don't mean a bad attitude as in grumpy all the time. I mean like I'm just ready to cast devils out of people all the time. Amen? And I said, God, forgive me of my sin, Lord. And I got to thinking about, look at God, look, look, look at what God has done. And Chris, Chris, your family is a miracle. Laura is a miracle. She's been a, the light to all of our lives. And I'm telling you something, God's not done. See, there's things that you've prayed for years ago, and God is now bringing them to pass. And isn't that amazing how God does that? 
I'm not relating him to Marcos. I'm not relating her to Marcos or any of those situations. I'm just saying that many times we give up on the circumstance uh, instead of bringing ourselves back to where God wants us to be. He says, you are the head, not the tail. What do you think about that? I don't know if you heard what I said very clear, but he says, Mike, he says, you're the head, not the tail. In other words, you are a leader, hallelujah. You are a vessel. You are an instrument that I will use for my glory, he says, hallelujah. (laughs) Woo, glory to God. You see, it's exactly what happened when we read the story. It's in the Gospels. It's the demoniac of the Gadarenes where... You know, Jesus cast this demon, possessed, this possessed man, cast the demon out of him. And what did they do? They jumped out of them and jumped into the swine, and, and boom, they run off a cliff. Let me tell you something. God will do something amazing in your life. God will use you. God will take a circumstance, uh, and he'll change it around. Uh, he'll deliver you and set you free. It just depends on what you want to do with it. Amen? Hallelujah. God said in Hosea 4.6, he says, In a shorter version, I'm going to say it. He says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of who he is. Knowledge of his power. Knowledge of of the greatness of God. Hallelujah. Knowledge. uh, there's, There's a lot of things that we can look in that. But you know what? Some people don't want to be delivered from their sin. I don't know about you, but I don't want nothing to do with sin in my life. I hate it. I don't like how it feels. I don't like uh, what it does to me and what it, it, how it controls my mind and my thought. I don't like that anymore. I made a decision years ago. I'm going to serve God. Uh, higher, you know, I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I am going to serve him, and it has kept me saved. Praise God. Amen? It's even kept my wife saved. Thank God for that. Amen? Number three. Well, actually, before I go on to number three, I want to just say this. Sometimes people live, Christians live a fruitless, a fruitless life. God has set them free physically, and they're bound in this area called the mind. Amen? We've all been there. We know what, we know what I'm talking about here because we've all been there. They, they, they are just as bound as this prison inmate that we just talked about a few minutes ago. They're bound in their mind. There's something going on. They have a, an unhealthy taste for sin. Genesis 19.26 uh, is talking about Lot's wife. And it says this. It says, but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. You can read it right there on the screen. It wasn't the fact that, uh, that she was down there participating in the sin. It wasn't any of that stuff. But sometimes people just like the thought of it. And the Bible says that this woman right here, his wife, uh, like, like many Christians in our generation today, she was convicted, but she was never converted. She loved uh, the sin lifestyle. She loved to look down on it and see it. It's like some of you where you just, you know, you turn that music on. Ain't nobody around you in your car. And boom, you turn on that rap crap, I call it. Hallelujah, amen. Don't forget my, forget my English on that one, okay? But you turn on that music, and, and it, it doesn't do anything to glorify God. All it does is talk about uh, gang violence and drugs and alcohol and chasing wild women. Listen, that is not for me. I don't want anything to do with that lifestyle, amen? It, because it gives you an unhealthy taste for the sin, and that's exactly what Lot's wife did. She loved it so much that she put her tent up on a hill so she could see down and keep an eye on it. It's like you and I today, when we have a sin in our life, we put that sin away where nobody else knows where it is. 
but you do. And God knows where it's at. There's a little game we play in our house. I don't even know where it got started or how it got started, but my wife has this little tiny pink little bunny, and it camouflages with everything in the house. And we hide that thing, and I think Joelle just hit it. No, who hit it last? Destiny just hit it last. Anyways, it don't matter because nobody ever gets to find that thing for three or four months. And we hide this little thing that nobody knows where it is. And I got to thinking about that, and I said, that's a great illustration. This is how we live our lives, it, even, even in the kingdom of God. Is we, we hide that little thing. You say, well, I don't have no big sin. No, no, no. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's the way you treat your wife or maybe the way you treat your kids. Maybe it's in the way that you disrespect your family or maybe you disrespect your boss. Maybe it's in a way that nobody would ever know that there's a sin in your life, but you know that you put that little tiny rabbit somewhere and you know exactly where it is. And when the time is right, you can even lie and say, oh, it wasn't there. I moved it. I put it somewhere else. Because you have control over it. And wouldn't it be nice to lose control of our sin? Not, not lose control and just sin, but I'm saying lose control. You know that you've been forgiven. You know that God has let it go. He's taken it from you. He's forgiven you. He's washed your sins white as snow. Glory to God. He says, I'll throw it from the, as far as the east is from the west, and I'll never bring it up again. That's the key right there, amen? I want to be forgiven like that. You see, this woman, she was convicted but never converted. They flee from the wrath to come, but perish anyway. And, you know, a very important point I want to make is I want, you to, I want this to stick with you. The angels had to force them to leave. But as soon as they were out of danger, she looked back. Why? Because it was a jailhouse mentality. It was. It was a, a jailhouse mentality. Hebrews 10.38 says, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? Luke 9, 62, Jesus said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The third prisoner that I want to talk about is the prison of sickness. My wife told me, she, matter of fact, not too long ago, but she tells me regularly, she says, Why is it that you always get sick on Tuesdays? I, honey, I listen to you. It just might seem like I never do. But I do listen to you. And the truth of the matter is, honestly, I want to tell you the truth. I can't live if I don't come to church on Wednesday nights. I, I have to have it. it. It's who I am. It's what I am. If you ever know, if you know me, if you know anything about me, I love people. Hallelujah. I love to minister the gospel. I love to love people. I love it. It's, it's, it's an attribute of God. It's a gift from God, and that's me. I love to come to church on, on Wednesday nights, and this is my refueling service on Wednesday, and, and here comes my wife. Oh, the devil always gets you sick on Tuesday. Oh, shalabakaye, Lord, touch me. God, forgive me right now before I know what I'm about to say, Lord. That's, that's how you feel, right? But, you know, doesn't it feel good to get your mouth saved? Doesn't it feel good to get your heart saved, your attitude saved, everything about you saved? I'm telling you, instead of worrying about what you did wrong, now you can worry about what you can do right, hallelujah, how you can touch somebody's heart by, by just loving them and ministering and smiling to them and just tell them, you know what, there's hope for you. I'm telling you what, that's what I want. That's what I want someone to say to me. I don't want someone to come to me and say, you know what, you're a loser. Well, thank you for that. I want someone to come to me and say, you know, you're a blessing. God bless you. 
It feels good, amen? But here's the problem, is that there's this prisoner of sickness, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 13, 11 through 16, it says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and he said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, they are, There are six days in which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. Verse 15, the Lord then answered him and said, uh, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from his bond on the Sabbath. You know, that's a, that's a very powerful scripture. Very, very powerful. You see the prison cells of the mind. People say, I know God is able. I know God can do this. I know he has the power to do it. But the problem is it, it's, uh, is it your will to heal me? I've had people tell me all the time. I, matter of fact, there's somebody I know real well, and they don't live here, so don't worry about it. It's not you. But they said, you know what I believe? He said, I believe the will of God is for me to be sick. And I says, well, that's contrary to what the word of God says. That's not what our God says. That's not, he says you are healed by the stripes. Uh, you are healed. Amen. And, and that's the promise of God. We're not uh, supposed to be sick. Now, if you're sick, then guess what? Keep believing that God can deliver you. Keep believing that God can heal your body. Amen. But don't ever say that it's God's will that I'm sick today. I had a guy tell me one time, I, I, I know God has me in the hospital so I can minister to all these people. I've been in and out of the hospital for seven or eight years, they said. I'm like, that's not how God works. You can go into the hospital and pray for anybody anytime you want to. You can go in there. You can even, you can even go in and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a preacher of the gospel. And they'll let you right in to pray for somebody. You don't have to say, I'm a pastor. You can say, I'm a minister of the gospel. You are a minister of the gospel. Go in there and start preaching to some people. Go in there and start telling. But you don't have to be sick to go in there. You don't have to get a curse on your life just so you can go into a hospital to minister to people. Amen? Hallelujah. So number four. I know we don't have any of those, those, those uh, people that are just sick all the time, amen, in this church. Hallelujah. So the fourth prisoner, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Then it says in Ephesians 4, 1, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. 2 Timothy 1, 8, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. You see, you and I today, we are a generation of Christians who many times look for what God can do for us. And that's a good thing to know, amen? I promise not to go very long, Chris. But I, I, got, I, got, I want to say something, okay? Here we are. We're in the middle of this, and we're a generation of Christians who many times look for what God can do for us. When we should look to God to say, what can I do for you, God? What can I do for you? Lord, for all that you've done for me, what can I do for you? 
How can I, Lord, I know I can't ever repay you for what you've done for me, but Lord, how can I serve you? Well, you can do this. You can get your family in order. You can serve the Lord. You can love him. You can read your word. I'm talking about falling in love with who he is. Not what he is, but who he is. You know, he's a God who wants an intimate relationship with you. He wants to prove to you his love. He wants to prove to you his kindness and all of the good things of God. He wants to do that for you today, amen? But there's a lack of spiritual hunger in the hearts of people today. Many times we, repot, we, 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 uh, we rely on a past victory, something that God did years ago, not what he can do right now. You know, I want to challenge our teenagers, and I talked to a couple, a few of them today in, in, after the first service, but I want to challenge our young people. If you're a teenager in this church and you're within the age of being going to these, our youth services, I want to challenge Number one, we never gave our children a choice to go to youth service. I don't know, maybe you should turn me up a little bit. I don't think they can hear me this morning. We never gave our children a choice to go to youth service. Son, would you like to go to church today? You're crazy if you ask your kids that. Would you like to go, would you, now if you ask them, hey, would you like to go get a cheeseburger? Oh, glory to God, yes, let's go get a couple of them. We don't ask our kids, do you want to go to church? My kids were raised on drugs. We drug them to church. Every service, we drug them. Matter of fact, we drug our kids across the, 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 the fronteras. We, 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 we took them to Panama. We took our kids in a boat. I'm telling you something. They said, you got to get out of the country. We said, okay. So we, got, we drove a couple hours. We parked in the backyard of somebody's house. We don't know these people. We parked in there. They said, give us this much money to leave your car. We paid it. We got in a boat. Man, I'll tell you, we went through the swamplands of, of Panama, and we came out in paradise. We don't even know where. If we had to try that trip again, we probably could never find the same holes we went in or out of. But you want to know something? We had a great time. When there was youth service at the church, when there was a church service and those doors were open in the church and those lights were on, I'm telling you something, you saw the Owens family there. We were there worshiping God. We were praising God. We got memories in our computers and our phones uh, of doing nothing but pleasing God. And, and listen, we're nowhere perfect. Please, I know I look perfect, but we're so far from perfect. Matter of fact, Mr. Perfect is actually watching online today. That's a joke, by the way. We're not perfect. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something in my life today. We ought to please him. We ought to be in church. We ought to, listen, don't let this revival pass you by. Listen, the revival isn't, isn't out in the street. It's, not, it's right here. It's right here in the heart. It's going to hit you. It's going to do something to you. God's going to change your life. I guarantee you right now if this ground started shaking, every one of you would be jumping up, running down to this altar saying, God, forgive me, Lord, of all my sins, oh God. Deliver me, oh God, from all unrighteousness, God. Forgive me, I've been a sinner, God. I'm, I'm not saved today, Lord. I need you in my life. Oh, but because there's no ground shaking. Because, you know, God is still in a place, preparing a place for us. In our minds, that's how we see it. 
Listen, I want to challenge you today. We're going to pray in just a moment. I want to challenge you to be the husband that God has called you to be. Be the man of God that he's called you to be. You say, well, I can't handle this woman I'm married to. Well, guess what? Boo-hoo, you married her. She's yours. You can't have another one. You can't trade her in. It's not like trading a car in. It's not like the, the guy that went to work. And he says, man, I, 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 what, how do you say it? No, oh, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. You can't trade her in. She's yours. And guess what? <laughs> she can't trade you in either. Love her. Love those kids. Look at these precious young people sitting here. There's a destiny for you. God has great plans for you. When that youth service is open, be there. Get there. Bring somebody to church. Get involved and let God do great things. Listen, I would much rather be right here in this fourth than in the first. I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be locked up. I want to be out here where I can have freedoms and liberties and share the gospel and love people. Let's bow our heads this morning in reverence to God. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place today, and I know without a doubt that God is touching some hearts today. God wants to do amazing things in your life. You know, please don't misunderstand me. We've gone through many trials, not just in our family, but in our family's families. We, we, we keep on striving. We keep pushing. We keep reading our word. We keep praying. We keep living for God. We keep, listen, I'm as ornery as ornery gets, but I'm going to tell you something. I love the Lord, and you would not want to see. Pastor Jones says if I wasn't saved, if I backslid today, the crime rate will go up in this city. They ask me at the, at the restaurants, they'll ask me, hey, sir, do you want a, a, a margarita? I, says, I said, ma'am, if I drink a margarita, the crime rate's going to go up in this place. I don't want nothing to do with it. If it has anything to do with sin, I want nothing to do with it. And I stand up on the rooftops and I shout it out. I don't want it in my life because I don't like what it does to me. I don't like what it does to people. I don't like how it controls, uh, how it pushes, uh, how it dwells in a home. Uh, it changes your character. It changes who we are. Before I go any farther this morning, you're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm away from the Lord. I got sin in my life, and I want to be saved. If that's you, just put your hand up. I want to pray for you. I promise you I will not embarrass you. I just want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, put it up. Don't be afraid. Praise God. I see these hands. How many more? How many more? Praise God. Praise God. There's many hands going up all over this place this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand. I see these hands. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're merciful, God. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Listen, if you raised your hand, I want you just to come down here. I want to pray for you. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Amen. Somebody will come with you this morning to pray with you. Hallelujah. Just come right down here. God bless you, buddy. Good to have you. Yes, come on down here. Praise God. Come on. Yeah, don't be afraid. Come on. Yes, God bless you. Oh, God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for this family, God. Lord, you're so good to us, God. You're so good to us, Lord. How many more? Praise God. They're coming down. Praise God. These are 
These are what we call honest hearts. If you're watching online today and you're looking for an altar, all you have to do is just pray these words. We're going to pray together. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I invite you into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Make me a brand new person. Change me, Lord. Take this heart that has been hardened and give me a new heart of love. Change me today, Lord. From this moment forward, I surrender to you. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I surrender today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.